And greetings once again. It is now 9 a.m. on this Wednesday, the 16th of September. And welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program here on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. We're so very glad that you're with us. As a reminder of our programming schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live here from the downtown KOPN studios Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And then after that, all backdated episodes are uploaded to our website, kopn.org, also our Facebook profile. And you can check us out on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Oh my, so much on the discussion docket this morning. Uh, Ginny Chadwick will be joined by Jennifer Roberts. She is a a Columbia coronavirus community advocate. And we'll be discussing uh, MU tracing, uh, contact tracing efforts there on the campus. Uh, Also travel during the coronavirus times. And uh, a little update on uh, positivity rates by county. So we have so very much to get to. First and foremost, let me welcome Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi there. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Jennifer, as Peter said, and so much to talk about. Um, As we almost always start the show, um, we'll look at Matthew Holloway's data. So we are now um, having a a daily average of over 1,600 cases in the state of Missouri, and that's the highest that we've had in the coronavirus um, pandemic. And, you know, For the listeners, I think the first time that Elizabeth and I started talking about this, I had read um, an article, and I cannot remember where it was from at the time. I think it was the Washington Post, and it said that they expected this virus to peak around October. Now, this is back in, you know, late February, early March. We didn't know a lot about this virus, but I think now, even today, that October peak, I think we're all hoping holds true because we see continuing increases in our numbers in the state of Missouri. So um, again, we are now averaging over 1,600 cases a day. So yesterday we had 1,783 cases of COVID-19 in the state of Missouri. Our positivity rate statewide, and we're going to talk about our positivity rate locally because I know that there's a lot of controversy right now out there about the inaccuracy, the errors because of the data that we were receiving from the state, but our positivity rate statewide is at 10.7%. Again, the World Health Organization says anything above 3%, definitely 5 is broad community spread. Um, we had 20 deaths in the state of Missouri identified yesterday. Um, and right now, when we started this pandemic, I think a lot of people wondered, would we really see this across the state of Missouri, in every county in the state of Missouri? And we had 83 jurisdictions report positive cases yesterday of the 117 jurisdictions reporting, but all jurisdictions have reported at least one positive case. And uh, over um, 80% of those have now reported at least 100 positive cases in every county in the state of Missouri. So broad um, transmission across the state of Missouri. Um, When we look at what's happening in Boone County, the last couple of days have been really promising in seeing a decrease in the number of cases that we have in Boone County. Uh, You saw, for those who are watching closely, the um, Columbia Boone County Health Department is reporting their cases just a little bit different yesterday because of the data that's being migrated um, to the new system. But We had 69 cases of COVID-19 identified in Boone County. 
um, yesterday with um, 16 residents of Boone County hospitalized um, and now 80 total. So one thing that we wanted to talk about in, in this process is, you know, we have been doing this for a really long time and there's some um, moments that we're ready to travel. There's some moments that we're required to travel. So Jennifer, I know that you and I, when we, we exchanged um, conversation, we talked about you're an avid traveler. I had previously traveled a great deal for my employment and um, just recently had to travel for personal reasons. So tell me a little bit about what your travel has looked like since the pandemic or maybe before the pandemic and since the pandemic. Right. Well, let me just start out by saying that um, a month ago, I should have been getting back from a three-week adventure in Africa. And of course, that did not happen. It's been uh, postponed, like so many people have postponed their adventures that they had planned for 2020. And um, we're excited. I'm optimistic about next year. We, we postponed it until October to give that vaccine plenty of time to not only get developed and approved, but also to get to people like me who are not high risk, because we are going to be kind of last on that priority list, I believe. Um, so as we it, should probably, you know, <laughs> as we should be, right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, our family, uh, we like to do national parks. Um, maybe every other year we have um uh, we we will go overseas. Um, we we just try to. We, we have a daughter; she's sixteen, and we try to show her the world. You know, show her the possibilities and what's out there, so that when she's an adult, she can set her goals according to you know knowing what the possibilities are. And I believe travel is a huge part of that, and it's also uh, a huge part of breaking down uh, barriers and prejudice and. Um, all those things that limit us as, as humans. I think travel is very important if you can, and it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, we, we spent a couple years camping uh, in national parks and found that to be just as rewarding. Some of my best memories are sleeping in a tent. <laughs> so, and I think, I think more and more people are gravitating toward that at this moment uh, because we know it's, it's safe. And, you know, um, I think that also we have to acknowledge that people have different levels of risk that they're willing to accept, and they have different attitudes about getting COVID-19 and getting infected. I think that some people have that attitude of, well, everybody's going to get it, you know, so might as well go about my day. I am not one of those people. Um I don't like the lack of knowledge, you know, that we, we currently have. It's such a new virus. I don't trust that little green germ to live in my body and not wreak havoc um, in the body of my loved ones. I just really, I don't want to take the chance of being one of the, being a guinea pig, which is basically what everyone that is unfortunate enough to contract it will be. You know, they'll be researching and studying these folks for uh, decades. Yeah, I think that there's just a vast amount of 
information that we don't have about this virus and, and new information yeah. coming out every day. You know, this week we saw that um, even further information about what is happening within the brain when individuals do get COVID-19 and it does move yeah. into the brain. And so, so have you had an opportunity to travel since the pandemic? We did. So, so knowing that, that I uh, did not want anybody in my family to get it, we still made the decision, um, because I also don't want to hide in my house, um, to take a trip. And I researched and researched, trying to find a place where I felt like we would have a good experience, even um, being socially distant from people and avoiding interiors, which is key. Um, and so we chose uh, a place called Dauphin Island, which I might add is under siege at this very moment from Hurricane Sally. Uh, so I've been watching it for the last 36 hours because it's just getting hammered. Uh, but this is a tiny little island. We chose it because it is not easy to get to, although you can drive to it. It's about a 13-hour drive from Columbia if you don't dawdle. Um, but you can do it in one day. And that was key as well. It had to be a place that we could get to in one day because I did not want a hotel stay. Um, and Dauphin Island is uh, a population of about 3,000 people, I think, that may or may not be there at any given time. And it's very, it's a very narrow strip of land. And one of the things that was so attractive, especially now with COVID-19, uh, even though it's, physically about 30 miles from Gulf Shores and the busy beaches of Gulf Shores, this particular place has nine miles of beach that there's no houses by. So if you want to find some beach by yourself, this is the place to go to because you can park your car and just walk as far as you want and get your, your beautiful piece of white sandy Gulf Shore beach, only you don't have the, the people. So we've heard uh, throughout the pandemic that some beaches have been closed and then some have reopened and then some have closed again. So right. how did you figure out what beaches were open and what to consider? Well, you do. Yeah. So, and I have lots of travel buddies and we've been talking about different places. Uh, basically you'll find that the Eastern seaboard, um, because it is, uh, you know, they had such a, terrible time early on in the pandemic they're much more cautious we can't even as missourians go there for mm-hmm. week, without quarantining for two weeks um let alone go to the beach you can't go there <laughs> so which is unfortunate but um but i totally understand and their numbers reflect their rules right i mean they've had mm-hmm. they're doing great um alabama being in the South is kind of like Missouri. You know, you've got a Republican governor. Um, they did not, uh, they, oh, maybe they closed the beaches very temporarily. Um, but then they decided that they were not going to close beaches and the livelihoods of so many of these folks down there in the, in the Gulf are dependent on visitors coming. And so they really had to make that decision whether to, you know, preserve the livelihoods of these people that live there and let the tourists come and enjoy the beaches. But also I think that the research began to reflect 
the fact that you can eat, you can socially distance on beaches if, as long as you're not talking about, you know, you, you've seen pictures of the crowded Florida beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so it's a matter of choosing a beach where you feel like you can get away from people and you'll be fine. And, and uh, so we kept that in mind. So, you know, I didn't shout from the rooftops that, Hey, we're going to Bama. You know, I did not do that. I was pretty quiet about what we were doing because um, I knew that I was planning everything to a T to be, to be safe and to keep my family safe. And also to keep, the people that live there safe. So, you know, coming from what I would think we would all consider a hot spot, Boone County, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go down there and unknowingly spread the virus to, to them. And so we actually got COVID tests ourselves before we left to make sure that we were clean. And that was out of respect for the people that live in those communities. Um. And as but, we know, yeah, I was going to say just for the listeners, as we know, COVID testing gives us a snapshot of in the moment. Um, we know that the virus has a two to 14 day incubation period, but pre-testing, you know, has been shown um, and is recommended often by public health professionals. We're you know, we're not doing a lot of proactive testing in Boone County, but but it is something that, you know, some airlines require, some, you know, communities require a negative test before mm-hmm. entering. Um, and you traveled by car. Um, so obviously you would have to stop to use the restroom along the way because very few of us can travel 13 hours without going. Um, <laughs> girl, <no>. so, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what that was like for your family. Okay, so um, a couple things. First of all, I looked at the route. Okay, the recommend there's the route, and then there's the recommend there's like there's like the fastest route, and then there's probably the COVID safest route, right? Because um, each county is going to have a different COVID count. So I first of all I planned our route so that we weren't going through Memphis for instance. We went around it in case we would have to stop. So there's an easy way to reduce risk right there is just making sure you're not going through a hotspot. So what I found, and I'll be interested to hear what you saw as you traveled, is that when, so my father lives two and a half hours away, and sometimes we have to stop on the way to go to the restroom. Um, And you know, we try to plan it so we don't, but there's just time yeah. that it happens. Yeah. So yeah. when we stop in smaller communities, we find that nobody in in the um, establishment is wearing a mask. And so we often mm-hmm. try to stop at, you know, uh, businesses that we know mandate. And, you know, I hate to promote corporate chains. You know, local has always been so important to me. But, you know, across the country, there are, are national corporations yeah. that have established masks and so oftentimes I, I tend to stop at those national teams that we know have uh, mm-hmm. mandated and masks. I, I feel like, Jenny, I really feel like that's okay right now. We can give ourselves a pass because our health is really, really important. And this is this is temporary. So I think that's very wise of you. Our strategy uh, that we tried to adhere to was um, was to stop if we had to go to the bathroom, we found Walmarts 
because mm-hmm. those restrooms were in uh, the front of the store. You didn't have to walk through the store. And they tend to be big, and they tend to have very good ventilation. And like you said, most of them require a face covering of some sort. Um, but you know what else we did? Um, well, first of all, we packed our food for the trip in a cooler. So so it, that is another way to eliminate stops, even though we know that getting takeout is very safe. But oh, it eliminates risk. Anywhere you can cut a corner and eliminate a contact with another person or people, you should do that because it just all accumulates. Risk accumulates. And um, so because we had picnic food, another great option for bathrooms are public parks because those bathrooms are also uh, not only um, sparsely like on a Monday, there was nobody in that park at all, you know, mm-hmm. and those, those park bathrooms tend to be very airy. They sometimes don't even have a, a outside door. And um, we were very fortunate. We found a couple of those where we put out our picnic and, um, and then used the park bathrooms and felt very, very good about that. But Walmart, um, you're right. Those chains, you know, they have um, cleaning protocols as well that they have to abide by. And for, you know, it's an upside to corporate, <laughs> the corporate scene, I suppose, is they have very strict protocols about things like that. And and so that's what we did. Now, where you have to be careful um, is getting kind of caught, right? Like you're on the road and some, you're in a place and somebody has to go and it wasn't in the plan. And I feel like that's where you can get a little weak in your steadfastness to follow, you know, your intentions. Mm-hmm. And I remember we stopped at a gas station. It was a small gas station. And, and uh, of course, I had ordered some uh, KN95 specifically for the trip. And we had our, our handmade masks and we... Uh, our strategy was always, if we were going into a public restroom, was to put on the KN95 and then cover that with our handmade mask and make sure it was super snug. Um, but even with that, I was pretty darn nervous with this with this gas station because um, the bathroom itself was quite small, um, not a, not a lot of ventilation. We, you know, you don't know if it, what people don't realize is that 15 minute rule that the CDC has put out that a contact requires 15 minutes. I think, I think that's glossing over it. That 15 minutes does not include someone coughing or sneezing in the space. So yep. a cough. So or when we sneeze. consider a close contact and, and what we, what we are deeming close contacts right now is that when we do contact tracing, we notify anybody who was within um, you know, six feet for 15 minutes. Right. But, but as you right. indicate, you know, like we know it's a respiratory virus. We know that um, particles can be in the air and depending on the type of contact and how close it is, you know, there, there can be higher risk. And yeah. is this time period um, yeah. that we've identified as a close contact scientifically supported? Yeah. Well, I think generally, yes, right? But we don't want to fall into that false sense of security thinking, well, then I don't need to wear my mask because I'm only going to be in that bathroom for, what, 90 seconds? 
Um, not true. Wear the mask. Wear the mask. Wear the mask because you don't know who was in the stall before you. You don't know how long they were in that stall, and you don't know how sick they may have been. And so this may sound like overkill, but you're also preserving your sanity, right? So if you wear your mask and you're in and you're out, which is absolutely key. You don't want to dawdle in a public restroom right now. You're in, you're out, you use good hand hygiene, you don't touch the handles as you exit the bathroom, then you get to your car and you feel like, I did everything and I bet I'm just fine, and you enjoy your trip, as opposed to, I was careless, I hope I don't get it, you know? And you know that there's different quality of mask, and, you know, we have all now seen the handmade cotton mask, and, you know, double layer um, cotton is definitely being recommended. What you mentioned was a KN95 mask. And for the listeners, um, just so you know, it's a little bit different than the N95 mask, which is medical grade. So these are non-medical grade masks, but there are a a list of FDA approved KN95 masks, which we know are um, more efficient at removing the particles in the air than the cloth masks are. And so there's different Mm -hmm. qualities of masks. So just to, to share a little bit about my personal experience, I was um, I needed to go to D.C. for um, a family issue um, to deal with some um, things. And so I just returned back from Washington, D.C. yesterday um, where I was visiting this. Um, and when I traveled, I, you know, I really wondered about my safety. And, and for the listeners, they know how, <laughs> how passionate and careful I am about um, COVID-19. And so I did wear a KN95 mask. I did travel on an airline, on a plane. Um, and, you know, what we were told and, you know, seems to be supported. The National Geographic has a really great article out on um, how clean is the air on planes. And the air is actually filtered with a high-tech um, filter right now on all planes. And the air turns over completely, 100%. The entire cabin turns over every two to three minutes. So they're really wow. um, moving that air. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't realize that <laughs> until mm-hmm. I really started realizing that I was going to have to fly and I wanted to understand what my risk was. So they have the HEPA filters on the, on all commercial flights now, and they're exchanging the indoor air on the plane a hundred percent every two to three minutes. And so really moving that air through, they tell you to turn on your blower on the plane. Um, so did I feel safe? I, I know that I've had listeners um, send me that message. I did feel safe for the most part. So I, I parked in the St. Louis airport long-term parking. I got on a shuttle. There was only two other people on my shuttle. Um, one person though did not have a mask on at first. I opened the shuttle windows. Um, and you know, it's required in St. Louis County to have a mask on, but that doesn't mean everybody wears them. Um, when I got into the airport, it was very few people. It was easy to find a space where I was sitting by myself until I boarded my flight. Um, the airline was only boarding five people at a time. And, you know, for those who know, I don't want to promote any specific airline, but Southwest Airlines, you get your, your number. And so they were boarding them in five. So they didn't line up the 30 people on each side, wow. um, you know, 60 That's people at great. a time, but they boarded five people at a time. I had plenty of six foot space before I got, you know, behind me and in front of me. Um, they are not um, seating any of the middle seats. Um, there was 
nobody in the row in front of me because it was blocked off. So I sat in the second row. Um, the flight attendants actually um, sat in the front row. So rather than sitting in their little jump seats that are really close to each other, they are spacing the um, flight attendants out as well. Um, so there was somebody who was sitting in the row with me, but, you know, a seat in between us. Um, she actually is a part of the Pfizer uh vaccines trial. So she said that she had has received the two, um, either placebo or um, potential oh, inoculation. How cool is that? It was. It was fun to yeah. see. She, she sat next to me. She goes, I think that you are maybe as careful as I am. <laughs> I, said, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> oh. So I think and that's being... good to know because I know they've said that your biggest risk on an air on an airplane because they changed that air over is probably the um, TSA line and who's sitting next to you. Yeah. Or, and, or and I in will front of say, you. Yeah. This is, you know, acknowledging privilege. I am TSA pre-checked and to get TSA pre-checked, you, there's an office here in Columbia, Missouri. It's in Parkade Plaza. You pay, I think it's $85. And for five years you have, you know, the TSA screening, you have to get your fingerprints and go through the security check but because I'm TSA pre-checked, there was no TSA pre-check line. So I went, you know, there was one woman with an infant in front of me, um, plenty of time, nobody behind me for at least, you know, the minutes that I was in the line. If I went through the regular TSA line, there was a line there. And so, so and that you know, $85, is that pay for life or for 10 years it's a or five years? Not of TSA angel, right? What's that? Correct. Okay, so I'm looking at the time, and there's some things I want to cover for the listeners because a lot okay. is happening in <laughs> Boone County. So that that's our travel story. Um, while in D.C., I was amazed nobody was out, even outside, without a mask. They have closed the streets for restaurants to eat outdoors, and they have closed parking. So what D.C. is doing looks nothing like what Columbia, Missouri is doing. It was a night and day difference. When I stepped off, I knew I was in a pandemic but there was still community happening. So the Boone County Health Department has announced that there is an update in correction to the positivity rate. And so we had been reporting that it was 44.6% um, for that week. That was very concerning. And some decisions were made in that week that people are saying were the decisions made because of the positivity rate. And so when we look at what the positivity rate was, that week, it was 8.9%, significantly lower than what they reported um, the week um, preceding that. So 8.28 to 9.3, the positivity rate. And this is at a time where we realized that the positivity rate is way too high. It was actually, in, it actually increased. So the correct number was 16.8%. And our positivity rate reported from 9.10. So the week um, following that is 24.1%. So again, at a time where we realize that we have, or we assume at that point in time, we have a really high positivity rate, our positivity rate correctly was still increasing. And so a 24.1% positivity rate obviously is far above what the White House Task Force recommends for bars to be reopened. They recommend that your positivity rate be under 3% um, before you open bars. Of course, our bars are not closed, but the White House recommendations are that all bars in the state of Missouri be closed and be closed until the positivity rate is under 3% and that outdoor dining is the opportunity for pedestrians, not indoor dining. So those are some of the things like there has been a correction. The reason for the error was that there was um, 
some reporting issues between MU Healthcare and the state, not MU Healthcare's issue, but the state was not bringing back the numbers to the county. So we were getting inaccurate numbers of total test counts. This is my understanding from the county, from the state health department to the county. And so we weren't counting all of the tests that were being administered. We were knowing all the positive tests. So when people ask, well, was our positivity rate off, or like was our case count numbers off? From our understanding that of my read, we our case numbers, our positive numbers were correct, but our positivity rate, we did not know all of the negative test numbers. Um, I, I do want to point to a recent article on case investigation quarantine protocol raising concerns about MU coronavirus outbreak by Sebastian um, Valdez. Um, he has been doing a bang-up job on COVID-19 at um, KBIA. And so if you're not following him on Twitter, I highly recommend it. It's Sebastian Sings. Um, but he has identified, you know, in his reporting today that there has been 1,300 students at the University of Missouri that have tested positive and that their contact tracing is now at 48 hours um, and, and has been as long as five to eight days before they notify a student of what they should do for their isolation protocol. Again, the White House Task Force recommends that that happens within 24 hours, so we are still falling behind on that. There is so much more that we wanted to talk to Je about, Jennifer, that we did not get to. We will have to follow oh, up on okay. future shows. <laughs> <laughs> Any last-minute thoughts that you want to share with our listeners before we leave today? So, Yes, I think it's really important that we just keep we keep living, but with the information that we have out there, we are totally able to do that safely. You just have to pick and choose, you know, and and be creative. And um, I don't really believe in hiding in our house, but with the information that we have, we can still go on and and make adventures and have adventures. But there's all kinds of ways to limit your exposure and, and limit your risk to almost nothing. My, my tolerance for risk is really close to nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's important to have things to look forward to right now to keep our spirits up and to feel connected and to the world, you know, and not be isolated. And so um, I, anybody can message me on Facebook if they have a travel question. I, I am my friend's travel coach. And I love that role because it lets me dream with them. And uh, I'm just, I'm Jennifer Roberts on Facebook. So feel free to message me if you want to chat about a safe travel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Peter, back to you in the studio. Thank you much, Ginny. Also, thanks to our guest, Jennifer Roberts. Uh, as she said, you can find her on Facebook. And as a reminder, we will upload this episode of Community Pulse to our Facebook profile and our website, and you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Links that we will be sharing with you today, as Ginny was talking about, we didn't have time to necessarily get to everything. Uh, but Sebastian Martinez Valdivia, he is the health reporter over at KBIA, along with his colleague Rebecca Smith. Uh, those two have been doing an incredible job in reporting on the coronavirus pandemic uh, here in Colombia. If you haven't checked out their work yet, now is a fantastic time. And we'll also upload the National Geographic article that sort of guided the conversation on the travel in the COVID age. And the uh, 
<coughs> press release from the city of Columbia about the positivity rate. That is also quite interesting. So, we bid all of our listeners a pleasant weekend. As a reminder, our programming schedule for Community Pulse is Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30. We'll be back this coming Monday with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and Mallory Daly. Until then, we bid you a pleasant weekend. Please stay safe, stay informed, and don't forget that cheerful confidence that your body has the ability to fight infection. 51% is next. Thanks you so much for joining us for Community Pulse on your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station.